sometimes what I do is to say, uh, okay, uh, rather than people developing high blood pressure on political issues, on social issues, on issues that uh, some people think is so serious that it cannot uh, be watered down. Now, let me think of how uh, we can at least pour some uh, sort of sort of water on it, and then, uh, despite that, there are serious issues we need to attend to in our country. My own is to see how at least I can make people to come back to themselves and now say that, okay, because you can't address everything when you are angry, when you are so annoyed, and when you want to fight every time like this. You can't even understand the issues. So uh, that is why I do those kind of uh, intervention. Uh, for example, um, whenever there is an event, I look at it from a different perspective. And I see what can I make out of these things here so that at least people uh, can at least laugh away it. And uh, when, for example, the incarceration of uh, Namdekan, uh, someone was saying, ah, he's supposed to be kept there forever since and that he wants to divide this country. And he asked me of my view. I said, you see, I come from... Uh, history of struggle and i've been in prison and uh, in my own experience in prison i have learned a number of things first of all is that there's nothing you cannot do without uh there are people who live a life that they can't do without cigarettes but when they're in prison you find them trying to adjust a life without cigarettes people who sleep on mansion you find themselves adjusting to sleep on a six-wear bed. I was in prison with uh, former President Onishimino Basanju and host of others. So I have learned to adjust myself to every situation I find myself. And then I believe that as a country too, uh, one thing we need uh, for now is that let us understand the problems we have as a people and then also attaching the solutions to the problem. But because we are so angry, because we fight, we insult each other, we do all these kind of things here. So people in the position of power get almost everything they want and for that matter. So to me, my intervention on, on social media as far as the satires that I create is simply to light up the space and bring people back to themselves and say, okay, uh, now let me not address this issue by anger. Let me look at it from a different point of view and see how uh, that can be addressed. Because in the process of fighting, of insulting each other, of doing so many things, we will not get what we need to get. Uh, recently, um, Peter Obi was quoted as saying that he must be president. And if you look at it in another medium, he said that he will be president. Then some people are insulting him for doing this, for saying that. But if you look at it, what is the difference between uh, I must be president, I will be president, with, with also the one that said it's my turn to be president? It's the same thing. 
So, so we lose the, the, the substance of some of these messages because of our emotions, our temper on so many things. So my own yeah. is simply how, how people can adapt matters without uh, getting too much and yeah. uh, much angry and annoyed. No. I wanted to, yes. I, I'd like to get uh, a few people on the stream uh, to ask one or two questions, their experiences and what they're learning, uh, their in, the inspiration they're getting from both of you tonight. But I have about two quick questions and I'd like you to let me tackle them. I mean, I saw one of your tweets, uh, one of the latest one you, I mean, in fact, you did it uh, some, uh, some hours ago. You said the first step towards servicing, and this was on Twitter. You said the first step towards servicing our billions of dollars of local and foreign debt is a full investigation of the cost of the projects they were purportedly used for. The incoming government must probe all the MBAs under this regime. That's one of the things that you tweeted, and a lot of people will be wondering what exactly you mean. And, uh, you know, there's this controversy about the Buhari government's latest approval in just less than 30 days to go and approvals are being made every day and in fact a lot of nigerians got angry when uh there was uh is it an 800 million naira uh 800 uh, million us dollars that was approved by the national assembly you've been in the national assembly um how difficult was it for them to i mean people who said they should have turned it down what is your view on that? I mean, a few days to the end of this government, and yet we're seeing this number of monies, uh, this amount of money being approved. Well, um, well, it all starts with the, the, the kind of um, uh, characters we have at the National Assembly. Um, we have a National Assembly that has already earned its name as a robust stamp. Uh, naturally, the executive will bring requests, but it is the duty of the parliament and here the literature, to look at those requests and how valuable, useful, and relevant it is. In this country, in the last eight years, we have always we have been borrowing for everything. We borrow for runway, we borrow for bridges, borrow for roads, borrow for everything. And we are now heading to about 77 trillion naira debt. And as the projections of the IMF and World Bank is that by the end of this year, we'll be using 96% of our revenue to service debt, which means there is virtually nothing that will be remained for development and for payment of salary. And I believe the governor of Edo State has made it very clear that uh, it's either the government uh, removes subsidy or we simply have to print money, which shows the problems we are facing. And each time you talk to them about this debt, they will say, look at the second Niger bridge. But if you borrow so much money and construct either a road or a bridge and you want me to thank you so what am i going to thank you for is it for borrowing or for the bridge or for borrowing and constructing a bridge which of the ones i'm going to do as a government you have a responsibility and as one that is led i have also a duty to ask you questions you need to be asked if you tell them that they are living 77 trillion are dead, they say, okay, look at the projects that we have done. Now, the next administration, if it doesn't want to sink, it has to go deep into investigating this claim on our national debt. And how did you start about it? Now, if you 
you, you give out contract for roads, you give out contract for bridges, you give out contracts for uh, airways and whatever. We need to know what are the actual value of those things you have delivered because this is not free money. You borrowed money from China, from IMF, from World Bank, from uh, what do you call it, uh, Saudi Islamic Development Bank to do these jobs. We have to tally the job you did with the cost of the project. If you have inflated those projects, you simply have to refund this money because it's money we borrow and we have to pay. So the next administration must probe this administration in order to have enough resources that we will be able to address the challenges. I, I can remember um, Omar Duko, the Chagadi's Minister of Transport, there was a time he told me, when Obasanjo handed power to them, and in the list of those things which he said that he left behind, after they have been sworn into office, they found out that there is a disparity between what the outgoing military says and what is really on the ground. So he told Shagari that, what should we do? Should we tell the public that this is the actual thing we found on the ground? Or should we? What else should we do? Then Shagari told him that, how can you, for a military that has decided to hand over power to us, and uh, no bloodshed, election was conducted, and we won, and do you want to now embarrass them, disgrace them, and expose them, or whatever? And he said, okay, let's continue like that. Then they moved on. Two years after, the government has to impose austerity measures because the reality of the economy now started biting on the whole country. So whoever is going to take power today, uh, after May 29, he has to probe this administration on all the contracts, the loans, the, the, the spendings that have been done here and there. You have to do it. How can you tell me that a damn project that's supposed to generate electricity, some people sat down and themselves of about 340 billion naira? How will that work? So, so to me, I believe it's important. Since these monies were borrowed, were loans bank, we have to go through the investigating how those monies we are used for the voter projects. It's very important. So that is why I mm. made that tweet. All right. Another quick one that I would like you to um, mention. It does look like you fell out. And I'd I like you to quickly also touch on this. You, it, it does look like you fell out with the governor of Cardona State. A lot of people felt like you had a very close relationship with Governor Erufai. But uh, in part of your tweet, it does look like uh, there is some kind of animosity and uh, perhaps those who say, oh, it's because he didn't guarantee to give you a ticket back and uh, a lot of things will, which happened and all of that. Uh, but but the governor will be exiting office in, in few days, perhaps. Maybe it's a good time for you to say exactly what you, if you have any grudge, because you said my response to him was that you should be patient and during the remaining days of this administration, the leaders are bankrupt of new ideas. They came, they saw, they failed, and they are going. And those who are supporters of Governor Erufa will say, you are only angry because he didn't guarantee you a ticket to return to the National Assembly. What exactly is your grudge or grievance with Governor Erufa? 
Well, um, first of all, uh, I have never been a close friend of Bruno Erufai. We happened to meet in at the APC. He was contesting for the governor, and I contested for the Senate. And he was he has never contested an election apart from the one in 2015, which I also contested. And at that time, he cannot stop me because he was also not the state governor. And it's not unusual when you have executive power, you can kill, you can give life, you can uh, make some people senators, you can remove some people on the system. So it didn't begin with him. So where we will be at the same level will be after May 29, when he's out of office and he has no immunity, and Shehusani also has no immunity. And all of us, hopefully, though I will be in Kaduna, but he said he's not going to stay in Kaduna, and I know that I can move to the markets, to the streets, I can stay anywhere, move freely with anybody because I offend no one, so as far as I'm concerned. So that is it in that aspect. Well, I have been in the forefront of the struggle right before anybody has his name. Uh, we have been in the battlefront as an activist, and I believe that if I ask any one of you, when did you start hearing about him, it should be something in 99 when he was appointed, even when he was uh, made uh, uh, a minister. So to me, uh, any person who knows me will not start speaking the truth simply because I've not been given. We have spoke the truth against Babangida and against Abacha, and I have been to jail in many times. And even when I was in the Senate, I have never shy to speak my mind and speak truth to power. So it's not about whether I, I have been in, in office or not. It is about my conscience and conviction. And if I decided, if I wanted to be there, I would have do everything they want me to do. So I, I, I am not a person who shy away from, from a fight or from a struggle. I express my own opinion. And uh, if you have been in office and you are out of it, you have to know that you are going to adjust to a new life. For people like them, uh, they should know that all they have done while in office in terms of persecuting people and doing so many things, that will be the time that they are going to live a life without all those things that shielded, shielded them. So in that aspect, that's all I can say. Uh, whoever will say that I only speak the truth when I'm in office, out of office, that doesn't know my history. And it's so easy for you to Google to know where somebody comes from. So that's what I can say on this. And thank you for having me here. Thank you so much. It's good that you're able to because, uh, I mean, sometimes when you don't speak to an issue, it opens up for speculation. Um, let, let me uh, then uh, I'll ask a question to Banky W, and then I'll allow uh, uh, the audience to be able to ask one or two questions, and then we'll be able to respond to it and call it a day. Uh, Banky, uh, with what you have seen, uh, Labour Party defeated you in uh, Etiosa. And uh, those who believe that uh, that kind of wave that happened there maybe would have cost uh, you a rethink. Do you think perhaps just maybe uh, you could have uh, used the Labour Party platform instead? Uh, because uh, that those who, in fact, voted and said they didn't even know the Labour Party guy and that um, they probably would have voted for you. Um, what, what comes to your mind when you think about this, that maybe that Labour Party guy could have been you because a lot of people thought that it was actually Peter Obi and the Obedient movement that caused that kind of situation 
in your case, they thought that maybe they could have voted for you. Yeah, um, that's a good question. So I think it's clear that we definitely lost to the the tsunami and the wave um, of uh, Peter Obi's movement. Um, I think, but people who who ask me that question are not quite aware of the rules. So first of all, the Electoral Act is very clear that if you've contested a primary somewhere, you cannot then leave that and then port to another party in the same electoral cycle. That's illegal. Um, that's one. Two, people also seem to forget that Peter B is actually originally a PDP guy. He was in the PDP until, dare I say, the very last minute. Um, and I think when he had done his own calculations and realized that maybe uh, he wasn't going to succeed in the PDP presidential primaries, he then decided to go elsewhere. But he was one of the minds that I was looking forward to working with when I came into the PDP. In fact, um, um, GRV, Baribor Roads Vibor, uh, a, a friend and brother who ended up as the Labour Party governorship candidate for Lagos State, was one of the people who recruited me to, to come and join the PDP. He was one of the like minds um, that, you know, literally, you know, we sat down, you know, he invited me out. We had lunch together on, on at least one or two occasions where he tried to to recruit me to come and join like minds like him and others in the PDP and say, hey, let's fight this thing together from inside. So it's unfortunate, but politics is what it is. The way things played out, uh, me going into the PDP was, these were some of the people alongside other people who were there, alongside um, other people and other leaders who are in the PDP who I I do um, re I have respect for. Um, but these were part of the people that I was going into the PDP uh, with every intention of working with in some capacity or the other. Uh, now, when Peter Obi uh, left at the last minute, the National Assembly primaries had already been concluded. And then, you know, he went um, to Labour Party at the last minute. Uh, and then a, a lot of people just kind of followed that wave and, you know, manipulated their way onto tickets. And there are a lot of question marks um, regarding the candidacy, um, especially particularly of people in the National Assembly who, you know, jumped, jumped to join the wave and just manipulated their way onto tickets uh, to ride the Peter Obi wave in Labour Party. There's a lot of question marks that I think um, the courts will have to decide, and we'll see. You know, you see what happens in that regard. But uh, I think one, you know, it was not an option for me because I had already contested in the PDP. Two, I do think that that there is um, something worth fighting for from within the PDP. I think that the, you know, at its core, you know, this is a truly national party. It's a party that exists all over the country. It's a party whose true uh, uh, ideology is democracy and democracy can be good or bad, right? Because it's the majority that wins. So if the majority of the people that are in the party are corrupt and are looking for corrupt outcomes, then they will succeed. But the more that we have good people setting up shop in there and trying to, to reform things from within, the more that we have a chance to redirect the affairs of a truly national party in the long term. Um, and so for me, you know, and then obviously there were there are a few other people 
leaders and, and members of the party, not just in my local constituency, but around the country who I truly um, identify with and, and I believe in and we're working together. And so, you know, it had its um, appeal to me as a candidate. Hmm. Um, things are what they are. You know, the elections have happened and, you know, we'll see what happens in the in the tribunal process. But I, I also think that it's important to say this. Um, you know, I think we have to understand that leadership uh, is also about collaboration. And if you really look at it, at least on the presidential level, Peter Obi, uh, um, His Excellency, His Excellency Peter Obi, His Excellency um, Atiku, and even His Excellency Kwankwa, so the three of them were actually PDP people. And uh, on, it's unfortunate, but the opposition was divided. And so it kind of played into the hands of the APC on the presidential level, because when you have an opposition that's divided and you just look at the numbers, if somehow the PDP had found a way to stick together, the election would have been over by 12 noon. You know, and I know people are, are, are you know, there, there have been instances of, of of uh, people saying that they were rigging in different places, but rigging only works when the margins are small enough where you can skew the numbers. But if the opposition was united, then the PDP would have stood a, a much better chance of securing the win at the national level. But it is what it is, you know. Mm. Um, things have played out the way that they are. What I'm interested to see is if everybody who participated this time around uh understands that 2023 elections were not our finish line, they were a starting point. So what do we do from here? You know, how do we collaborate going forward? You know, uh, uh, Labour Party and PDP, is there even any thought, you know, from, and I guess this is a question more for the national leaders, but should they be thinking of some level of collaboration, you know, how can the PDP and the Labour Party and maybe, you know, the ADC or one or two other parties come together? Because that's what it takes sometimes to take power. You know, you have to be able to stay. Some of us are going to have to, to sacrifice our, our own ambition, you know, for the other person to go or, or for the greater good. The whole reason, and, and I think you have to tip your hat to, to APC, the whole reason the APC is successful is because of collaboration. You know, it's uh, uh, Buhari and, and Tinubu and, and the likes of them, you know, they, they decided to come together, they merged, you know, they formed one party from CPC and uh, uh, um, uh, Action Congress, and, you know, they, they put themselves together and they, they joined forces and they were able to take power. And I think going forward, that has to be a question that the leaders at the national level are willing to address and, and to look at. I mean, we can all continue to fight in our silos, or we can say, is there a world in which you know, there's a bit of sacrificing. That's what leadership takes. It takes self-sacrifice. It also takes collaboration. It takes people being willing to come together. I mean, if you remember in 2019, we had third force candidates, um, Professor Kingsley Mogalu, Feladru Toye, Auntie Obi, uh, Showore, all people who I, I know in various capacities, I know quite well, uh, and I like. But, you know, they try to get them in a room and say, hey, let's agree and, you know, collaborate and come out, you know, with a consensus candidate. And they couldn't do that. And, and these were all people with relatively small party structures. So I think that's the uncomfortable question that we have to be willing to face and to answer in our struggle for a new 
Nigeria, are we going to be willing to collaborate? Are we going to be willing to sacrifice um, our own uh, selfish ambition sometimes for the greater good of the country? So, so for me, that's what it's about. I mean, we'll see what happens when when all the tribunal stuff uh, processes are over now. Um, but I've already made peace with the election, and whatever the eventual results are, I've made peace. Um, with what what is happening, and I I am at peace knowing that my the plan and the purpose for my life belongs to God, and at the end of the day, everything will work together um, for my good because I'm I'm in His purpose. So whatever that means for me, uh, whether politically or in business or in life or in family or in ministry or anything else that He puts in my hands to do, I know I'll be okay. So I'm content. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Mike on Podcast. This podcast will return soon.